Fitness Pro Mentor community. Welcome to another podcast, the Minds on Muscle Show. Uh, Glenn and I are really excited. I had this idea today that we're going to dive into, but Glenn, how are you doing today, man? I am lovely. I am well caffeinated, a lot of different things, a lot of irons in the fire, enjoying the summertime. Hours are good, family's good. I'm happy. How are you, Brandon? I'm good, man. Very good. Life's good. Can't complain. Awesome. Cannot complain. Awesome. Hey, listen, so if you're new here or you've been around for a while, the Fitness Pro Mentor community is devoted to helping trainers like you level up your career. This whole company started on the foundation through COVID that honestly, many in-person trainers who like you are very talented and brilliant should have the ability to have the incredible career they deserve. It is my passion, our passion to help you have the careers you deserve and go to the level that you want because frankly, with the right support, the right customized support, just like your clients, you can get that level. Today, we're gonna do something a little different. One thing that has popped up with our Facebook group community growing over and over again to now only five, nearly 500 people, which is incredible at this time, which is now June 28th, 2022. There are a lot of people joining the community who are relatively new, new trainers, people who are excited to grow their career and start in their first few months, maybe even first year. So we thought it'd be a fun episode today to talk about that and really help you, if you are a new trainer, have that step one guide all the way up to these trainers that are making six figures a year. I'm pretty excited about it. Me too. I think this is a great conversation to have, um, not just for people watching uh, or listening who are new trainers, but also for us too, because I think it helps to reflect on where you started and what you could have done differently and then project into the future. Because even now, I'm sure there are things that I'm going to say today, I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty good at that thing, but I could still be doing that better. Yeah. And I'm really, really excited for my own learning and growth in this and also to share because now we see a lot of young trainers in the program, so we still work with people who've been training for you know a year or two, maybe not fresh, fresh, but they're still trying to learn a whole bunch of different stuff. And I think there's a lot to offer in this podcast today, so I'm really excited to talk about this. Yeah, well, I got a I got a diving in place that I want to jump into because I've been thinking about this the last 24 hours, and uh, I'm pretty fired up about it. the The thing that I want to start off with with this whole thing is if you're a brand new trainer, brand new and you've only worked with a couple people, maybe you have less than 10 hours a week, and you're trying to figure out, well, what direction do you go and how do you get this whole thing started? Should you be working in a commercial gym? Should you be trying to go it alone? What courses should you take? Where should you start? I wanna throw these ideas out there and there's kind of an analogy to start the whole thing. If you've ever participated in art or sports or really anything that is a skill-specific thing, something that requires you to have masked a few skills beforehand so you can go about creating and doing something at a high, unique level. Basketball, you have to be able to dribble the ball. You have to be able to move your feet in specific ways and you have to, be able to kind of autonomously take the ball with your hands and put it in the hoop. Artists, you need to have a medium. What medium? Is it art? Is it, is it painting? Is it music? And do you have the actual skills required to create the Mona Lisa picture if that's what you want to paint or whatever it is? You as a trainer at the very, very beginning of this need to hone in on a few sets of skills right up front that will separate you from the pack. And these basic skills are often overlooked when new trainers get started because many trainers like you go to big commercial gyms uh, like Good Life's and whatnot, and you get an opportunity just to get handed clients and get going from there. But the truth is, that's a fantastic place to start in some degree but you also need to learn a pedigree of other skills to help you level up. So you're a new trainer. Where do you start? Where do you want to dive in? I think there's a couple different things. I'm going to start with one that I don't think that you're going to pick, but I think it's still an important one. Actually, I think you're probably going to pick it, but it might not be your number one one. All right. That's okay, because I got an idea. Things are brewing. Um, my first pick here, I'm talking about soft skills, right? There's like hard skills and soft skills. Hard skills being like 
technical things, very specific to your fitness industry, like understanding um, anatomy, physics, how that's going to be applied to the human body, physiology. They're all very hard skills, knowledge that apply to exercise and training. A lot of the skills that I think a lot of people miss, especially when they're new, are the soft skills. The skills that are transferable to any profession. And one of the soft skills that I think that most young trainers, new trainers, could really work on is going to be communication, specifically in this case through writing. Absolutely talking to people is important. I'm sure you're going to talk about that a little bit later on. I'm happy to too. But I can't tell you how many times I've received emails or messages from young trainers or young professionals who I'm connecting with, and it's atrocious. Yeah. Misspelled words, poor grammar, rambling on, really way too long of paragraphs and emails, all this different stuff. Learning the skill set of how to write clear, concise emails that are down to the point and trying to communicate. Let's, let's take, let's go there. Let's take a step okay. back for one quick sure. second. Cause I know what you're saying. I, I agree with you. Okay. I want to lay framework first to try and let's go there. Let's do it. There's this thing that I, we've talked about in the past and we haven't talked about it too much. I like to call it the five pillars of personal training. <sighs> And the reason why I bring that up is because this, these five pillars, in my opinion, are kind of like the satellite view framework to help you get a sense of direction of where you should go. And what, the reason why I pause Glenn is what he's saying is absolutely brilliant, but it fits into this landscape really, really, really well. So the five pillars, five pillars of personal training that you need to develop, these are all different areas that you need to become competent at, skilled at, if you will, and it will help you become an expert, is one, there is technical what is the actual exercise stuff you do? And technical is massive. The vehicle that you're using as exercise, have you figured out all of the different variations of that exercise to work with your demographics to quickly, efficiently, and safely get the adaptations you require? That is a gigantic pool. And in fact, most of us from a technical perspective kind of focus on just that biomechanics land, and that's fine, but I want to even go further back to where you could start with that. So that's number one. Two is what Glenn talked about, and it's communication. And communication at all is this gigantic, huge atmosphere around everything you do, because in my opinion, I've said it many times, you mastering communication, getting good at talking to people in person. Uh, we'll let Glenn go on his point in a second here. All of those are really critical to make sure that you can actually do your thing. Everything we do is dealing with people. And if you can't convey your information to people, I mean, we really got to figure that out because that is the vehicle. So that's one and two. Three is business skills. And there's so much to that, but really at the very, very forefront of this whole thing is sales and retention, really. If you have figured out how to sell people and get them into your world and how to retain them, you're already gonna have a decent business model if you're starting off in a commercial gym. Then we have to talk about marketing. The other two are a little woo-woo, but they are still important. Number four is creativity. And the reason why I think creativity is such an essential skill for anyone is that this creates the figuring it out skill set where when you're talking to someone, you're talking to Glenn and you realize that the words you're using and the communication strategy that you learned or the phrasing that your mentor taught you isn't working with him, instead of going on your heels and panicking, you are creative enough to improvise on the spot to figure it out. Technically, you are creative enough to figure out on the gym floor what you can do when someone's on the machine that you wanna use and whatever it may be. And then business skills, well, the marketing strategy you're currently not doing, is currently doing is not working, so how do we be creative with that? And number five, is the one that I think is, again, it's kind of woo-woo, but it's important in its mastery. And it's taking those four and consistently reviewing how are my creative skills helping with my business? How are my business skills working? Where can I get better? How is my communication? Where is it falling short? Where am I missing things? How am I losing business because of my communication? And what technical things do I need to work on? And so these five things, technical, 
communication, business, creativity, and mastery, if you are consistently thinking about these as your personal study guide, and you're in an environment that harbors these five skills in a way that leans your business the way you want it to go towards your demographics and people who can afford your services, like on the higher end, then you're in a good spot. So now, communication, Glenn was saying, written communication. Well, not, now, I, now I want to go back one second, if oh. that's okay, one second. I, so it's, uh, technical is interesting. Could we talk about technical for like one moment? Technical is interesting because you cannot deliver a quality service unless you're technical. Do we agree on that? You can't, you can't do that, right? Mostly. Mostly. Okay, fine. There's a little asterisk to everything, right? Mostly. I think a lot of young trainers absolutely should be getting technically proficient. Or I should say new trainers should be getting technically proficient. There's no way around that. But the way I, we'd look at these pillars is almost also like a wheel on a bicycle. In that uh, each one of those pillars is like a spoke. And if any of the spokes on your wheel aren't there, your wheel's not gonna take you very far. You're gonna get a flat pretty, pretty quickly. So yeah, you absolutely need to get very, very technical very, very soon, but if you don't have those other pillars, you're not going anywhere fast. I just wanted to put that out there. So communication, one of these pillars. Communication is absolutely huge. Communication is the foundation for sales. Communication embodies understanding how the person in front of you might actually be thinking about whatever it is that you're talking about, and then you as the professional understanding how to communicate with them at their level using their technical knowledge. If Brandon was a, uh, a prospect and he was coming to see me for a meeting and I said to Brandon, so Brandon, you're here to lose some body fat, change the way you look. And Brandon's like, yeah, that's what I'm here for. And I said, okay, here's what's gonna happen. Well, we are gonna do some resistance training exercise, use a lot of weight and what we're gonna do is do that so that the beta, alpha, one androgens, androgenistic, whatever, at the fat cells, they're gonna be active and they're gonna release more fat into your bloodstream, which is gonna light, go through lipolysis and end up creating more uh, energy out of that so you burn more body fat. And like the prospect's jaw's gonna drop, they're gonna leave because they're gonna have no idea what you're talking about. And I know that's an extreme example because you're really not gonna do that. But communication mastery, really, when you think about it, is the ability to communicate whatever it is that you want to people powerfully in a way that they're going to understand and they're going to appreciate. And if you can't do that over email, when you're one-on-one -on -one with clients and training, when you're doing marketing, when you're copywriting, when you're in your sales meeting, you're going to lose people all the time. This all like sets up the foundation that all of these things we're trying to teach you. And I wanna to speak to anyone here, if you are a fresh trainer and you're even just one week in, this really comes down to helping you build conviction and confidence with each aspect of your business. And this is where, honestly, I have never really liked talking about building confidence because I think so many people lean on this as like a motivational speaking topic. But in reality, if you go on the gym floor, if you're, business, if you're not confident with every aspect of your skill set that you are required to do for your business, you're gonna have some issues. And this is where I think all trainers, in my opinion, without a really great place to start working, I think one thing that you could absolutely do, which would just be awesome, is start in a busy gym. Because if you're worried about getting becoming good at technical exercise, and this is where a lot of people get into the weight loss thing first, honestly, because if you're on the weight loss side of things, it's a great way to easily start making changes because how easy is it to help people with exercise with weight loss or so it seems. Most people go to big gyms because they have weight loss goals. They want to grow more muscles. Most of their sales teams help people say, hey, you're going to get more muscular. You're going to lose body fat and you're the first trainer. 
And so they hand you someone and that's great because they've taken away that sales skill set. All you have to do is get really, really good at keeping those people. So one, get in a commercial gym and get handed business. Make your life easy or easier because that will be fantastic. Once you start getting people, your job and your first skill is to give them a really great experience, learn everything about exercise in the adaptations that are required to get the result they want. So if they're here to lose body fat, learn the crap about every other physiological process that's associated with losing adipose tissue, body fat, go deep into it, become the expert on that. And then your real job is since you got sold them and people got handled is to keep them. And those are just two huge things is if you can provide an incredible communication experience to the people in front of you, you can get the results that you want right away. And then you can keep them. You get to skip all that sales marketing stuff at the front end, but then you get to really work on building up the confidence of delivering an incredible product when you've got a consistent flow of clients. Now I think there are, you're going to get hamstringed here long-term if this is where you stay but I think this is a great place to start. And honestly, actually, I think you started like that, sort of, where you were handed business. And I know Taylor yeah. did. Taylor actually, Mario Mavridis is someone that did a sales thing with us. He was running a good life for a short period of time before he moved. And I got Taylor at a very, very young age. He's like, I want to become a trainer. I said, great, go work at this good life for one year. <laughs> and he went and did it. And he hated it. <laughs> but he got handed clients and it helped him build the confidence to talk to people, taught him about rudimentary sales and it helped get him going. So when we opened the gym here, he had a lot more conviction than someone who was fresh off the boat, so to speak. Yeah, it's amazing how far conviction goes. Right? How many times have you seen um, trainers online who are these like trainers to the stars and you look at the kind of stuff they're doing and you're like, I mean, listen, I, I, from the outside looking in, I don't know what the person's goals are. I don't know what the motivations are for going this, that, and the other. But sometimes I just see like even athletes with their trainers in the off season. I'm like, what do you, what do you guys do in quarter squats for with way too much weight on there? What are we, what are we doing right now? The things look terrible. What's going on here, right? Um, you have to know these technical skills. Um, I'm sorry, I had like a bit of a blank on a train of thought here, but I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say on the technical thing. Yeah, go ahead. Because I think when you're talking about exercise technical stuff, Okay. I want to just double back on this idea quickly that whatever the person, like when you have people that are in front of you and they demographically are hiring you for a specific thing, I would really encourage anyone who's listening to this to not get caught up with whatever's trendy mm. and exciting right now. Because there are so many, so many people like us who are teaching fitness education and they're leaning towards biomechanics and the new thing and the exciting fitness and you're doing this on a ball, right? There's a lot of trendy certifications and you see popular, very attractive, very fit people, very successful people promoting that thing. And it's easy to curb your interest towards that because you think, well, people like me are doing this thing. Therefore, I have to do this because it means I'm going to be successful. And that's not true. And this is where technically I want to encourage you to dive into the deepest science you can around the person that's in front of you. If you have people who've got rheumatoid arthritis, learn everything you can about rheumatoid arthritis. You have people who want to lose body fat or want to do ketogenic dieting, and you've got a lot of those people, become a master at ketogenic dieting. And this is already going to help you niche down to the avatar that we talk about on our higher level stuff. So that way, right off the bat, when you're charging 60 bucks an hour and you're working with everybody, we can niche down to being a $100 an hour trainer with an expertise. But what will be really cool is you are going to have people who are organically in front of you who have different adaptations. And if we can focus on those, that could become your business. Or you could quickly figure out who you don't like working with. You know what I can see being a big issue that people are going to come up with um, after hearing you say that is 
learning what they want to learn, not learning what they need to to grow their business. 100%. I think that's like the biggest thing that um, that's going to come up here because what, what happens, like I'll use myself as an example. When I started, I wanted to work with athletes. So I learned all this like Olympic lifting and squatting and this, that, and the other. And I was a broke trainer for the first two or three years because I was learning what I wanted to, not what the market demand was for and not for what the people that I was seeing wanted to learn. When I started learning how to solve the problems of the people that were in front of me, devoid of what I necessarily wanted to learn, so to speak, that's when I got really busier and could increase my rates and started really making um, a nice chunk of change in this personal training thing. And so I think a real big question that everyone has to ask is, absolutely good to have goals and aspirations and know where you want to go, um, but are you studying the stuff and working the stuff that are going to be the things that you need to to get to where you want to go? Because the reason why I think a lot of people aren't successful, you know, the clients that they want is because, and we'll probably talk about this at some point, they just don't learn marketing or business. Because marketing and business isn't sexy to a new trainer. What is sexy is that new exercise, that new certification, or like this new thing. And, and how many people do you see online where you, you see the amount of certifications, they have like 20 certifications, and when you actually ask that trainer how busy they are, they're like, I like 10 hours a week. Yeah. Like, what good is that? Do you know what I mean? Versus yeah. like, on my website, I, on my website, I think Strata website, I think we all might have like, I don't even have our certifications up there. Or like, yes. I have graduated from university and I've been doing this for 13 years. I think that might be everything I have. We've got some, but to be honest, it doesn't really, it doesn't no. matter. It shouldn't be a selling no. feature in, in my opinion. Yeah, you, uh, you really just have to get better at where your biggest weaknesses are and attack them ruthlessly. And that kind of leads into another conversation about maybe like, being okay failing over and over and over again. So you develop those skills, but I'm not sure if this is the time or the place for... Yeah, we'll, we'll double back to that. Yeah, that's okay. a super important one. That's like a yeah. bigger, like conceptual philosophical yeah, thing. Yeah, I get that. Uh, what I will throw out there is that if we take... So we have the technical pillar and we've kind of talked about like everything you learn should be in the lens of who you're trying to help. Uh, I mean, and you can have your own hobbyist version of it. Like I, I liked bodybuilding and powerlifting, but I was working with seniors. So I kind of dabbled in both, but the powerlifting bodybuilding stuff was selfish, so to speak. And it did transfer over to the senior stuff a little bit, but it wasn't my primary focus. Communication and business. I'm going to give you one broad satellite concept and I'm going to try and make this make as much sense as I possibly can. In our mentorship, we talk about a few different aspects to help identify the avatar that's in front of you and talking about their pains and their dream outcome which is cool because in most cases, most business, I mean, in fact, I'm watching a documentary on con artists right now. And there are so many different con artists that quite literally harbor the emotions of people in front of them. And they make tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars by identifying that person's particular deepest, darkest, emotional, negative thing. And that sucks. And you're not trying to be a con artist. And that's important to recognize as we go into this next part. But what you do need to know are what are the emotional pain drivers that's driving the person in front of you to make a decision of any sort? Why does someone who not have a lot of money go out and buy a $100,000 red convertible Porsche, right? There is a emotional purchase reason why they made that quote unquote rational decision to do that. Now, when they're in front of you, there is going to be, and this covers this leans into how you're going to operate business-wise, how you're going to work on sales, and how you're going to technically communicate, and how you're going to communicate in every way. If you know the pains that of the people in front of you, they are trying to lose body fat because they don't feel like they look good in their body. And because they don't look good in their body, they're embarrassed to take their shirt off in the beach. And that sacrifice of not going to the beach is changing their social life, and they don't like it. They're concerned that the aches and pains in their shoulder will consistently get worse and worse and worse, and it's just a part of aging. 
But that part of aging is taking them away from golf. And they really, really love the empowering feeling of hitting a ball 250 yards, even at the age of 70. We could go on and on. But if you know these pains, every decision, every bit of advertising, every bit of sales communication, every bit of language you use, in my opinion, outside of building rapport, should lean the direction of the real reason why they're there in front of you. And I'll give you an example of the opposite to try and help out. You're working with someone and they're here to lose weight. And you know that resistance exercise is one of the most powerful vehicles to help them lose body fat so they can look good. But they've got a preconceived notion, despite your education, that breathing heavy and sweating is a part of the experience that will help them lose body fat and get to that next level. One of the things that you could very easily do is make sure that every session they lose their breath a little or enough and sweat just a little. But if you do an entire session of controlled bicep curls and tricep extensions, where they're really, really focusing on just elbow muscles, the aggregate effect of working on small elbow joint muscles versus the rest of the system, in my probably not gonna be beneficial for doing any of the metabolic stuff that you're talking about. Uh, two, they're probably not gonna lose their breath or get their heart rate up in a way that resonates with the value system they have around that exercise. Really, you're ignoring the things that they like and you're also ignoring really the science of what would be the most effective thing for them to kind of work with your narrative and your ideology. But in reality, if we know what Glenn likes and we know what he wants, we can make sure, hey Glenn, so what we're gonna do, we're gonna do these squats today. Squats involve a lot of muscles and using a lot of muscles helps do this hormone thing, this muscular recruitment thing. And we're also gonna get an anaerobic response. So we're gonna work on heavy breathing and your heart rate's gonna go up. You might even sweat a little. This is a really efficient exercise to help with the weight loss thing from the resistance training side of things. Let's get started. It takes two seconds, but that little story does an incredible job to set up why you're doing that exercise. And you can do a version of that for every single exercise and it'll actually help you get good at talking about why you're doing an exercise for the purpose of the person in front of you. Satellite view, business and communication, know the reason real, the real reason. Make sure you practice the skill of knowing the real reason why people are in front of you. Because if you do, everything else becomes easier. That's the communication piece in a nutshell, right? Like you have to know what the clients want, what their values are, why they're there to see you. And if you don't, then you can't color the picture or choose what they need to get in the session. I mean, I think this is an, another huge misconception I see is that um, everything that you do with the client always has to be the exact right thing from like an anatomy, physiologically perspective kind of view. Very seldomly, in my opinion, especially if you're getting started out, are you gonna have the client base where they are going to want to do every little thing that you want to do. Some people are really hands-off and are just happy to guide them. Other people, they need to get those sensations, like you said, that are along with their worldview and, their, um, and the way they see things in order to continue to progress with you and work with you. And if you're not giving that stuff, you better be a damn good educator and having them see the results objectively in order to get them to move from point A to point B, which leads into another combination of, is like, you better be good um, in terms of like retention, in, in assessing, reassessing and coming back and showing your clients over and over and over again that they're getting to where they want to go. Because it's one thing if they come in and they've had a poor week and they're not great and they're not tied and they're thinking to themselves because of this, the strength is not worth it, I don't feel great, I don't feel energized, I'm not feeling that strong. And then you say, well, you listen, I totally get that. I know it's been a tough week for sleep. The kid's keeping you up at home this week. They're getting older, it's kind of crazy. But take a look at how you progressed over the past six weeks. When you first started this exercise, you are doing this, and now you're doing this. That's an amazing improvement. 
And now it's hard for people to, again, object to what they're getting out of the session because you're now showing them with data how well they're feeling, right? Even when it comes to just subjective sensations, right? They come in one day and they've got more discomfort than they've been having recently. You can say, listen, I totally get it. That sucks and we'll find a way around today. Do some exercises that are gonna help you by doing X, Y, Z thing. But hey, all these other days, look, you felt really, really good. Consistently, you're telling me you we're at here at a seven out of 10 pain in your back when you started. Last week, you're up to, sorry, down to a four out of 10. That's amazing. Let's keep working towards that. You know, it's like a, a silly analogy, but like people, no one likes entering into a situation or a financial relationship where one person thinks one thing and the other person thinks the other. Oof. And I mean, like a cheesy example is I think back to like great kids school dance, right? And like one person wants to dance and like, oh, I'm dancing with my friend. This is great. And then the other one wants to date, right? And then there's the awkward conflict of, hey, this thing isn't going the direction that either of us wanted. Well, imagine that you're in a professional relationship and that person, they want to date. <laughs> And you're just like, yeah, we're just friends. It's all good. And now the communication is mixed up and things are not going to line up. If you have, if they've hired you for a specific purpose and there is no incentive, no clear direction that you're going that way, there's going to be problems. And this is where people start ghosting and disappearing. So new trainer, whomever this is, actually, if you're an advanced trainer, I'll even say this, right? First and foremost, get really, really good around getting, getting, keeping people and being busy in a busy environment. Because when you go to a place like a strata or a gym that doesn't have a lot of clients coming in all the time, you got to have to work on those skills. So let's master the sales and the technical stuff up front. Second, know the pains and the real reason why people are in front of you. Because writing communication through email, the stuff that Glenn was just saying, all of that kind of helps to make sure that you guys are both going the both the same direction together. And once you've got that, you're already in a really, really quite like in a differentiated spot, which is just fantastic. I think a good way to look at it, um, and we've talked about this. I'm still using the foot pedals. This is crazy. Um, um, is uh, a great so a great way to look at this is from the Sandler books, Sandler business training, something that we recommend here. Uh, you can't learn to ride a bike in a seminar. It's a great book, and they have these different levels of professional. And there's kind of like the, the commodity professional, then there's kind of the consulting professional, and then there is the, oh, I forget the highest tiered one, or maybe I'm mistaking that, but there's like, we'll call it the Uber professional. I'm sorry, that's not the most technical term. But the way you want to be thinking about yourself is almost like a lawyer, right? How does a lawyer dress? How does a lawyer act? How does a lawyer communicate? I've never met a lawyer um, who I've spoken to who isn't smooth with their words, who isn't very calm, calculated, has rationale. When they're gonna work with a client, they collect all the information they need up front um, because they need all the right information up front because if they're gonna be helping someone with a difficult court case, oh boy, you're in trouble if you're not giving honest and true information to your lawyer. And quite openly and honestly, you wanna be like a personal training lawyer. How you hold yourself is high professional, you're dressing the part, um, um, and that comes down to the clothing you wear, your hygiene, all that kind of stuff. The words that you use, communicating at the level of the person that's in front of you, not ostracizing, making them feel wrong. Technically, making sure you're doing the right things that are going to get your client to where they want to go optimally, making sure you're collecting the right information and doing all the right stuff. All these different things matter. And if you're thinking about, okay, well, how do I act? How do I communicate? How do I be with these people? Think about what would a lawyer do and how would they act if they were a personal trainer? 100%. Now, I got two more things, and we'll see if you got any stuff that you want to throw in here. Your primary job 
as you're getting busy, and this kind of leads into the second point, your primary job as you're trying to grow as a personal trainer, besides helping people, is being seen. And lateral to that, I've started saying being heard. Because if people hear your message and what you do, and they hear you on the gym floor, and this is the thing, is if you're at a gym that's a busy, busy gym, I mean, every decision you make from how you do your hair to do you brush your teeth, are you wearing a black shirt versus a pink shirt, all of those decisions, every single thing matters. Because there's this problem that people who don't know you from a distance are making inferences based off of what they see from you. And that sucks but it's also a reality of how just humans kind of classify people from a distance. And so that's important, but that also means, and there's an incredible responsibility there, is that if you are seen on the gym floor as a caring, passionate individual, you are seen consistently and meticulously watching every single joint system on the person in front of you to make sure that you're getting the results that you want, everyone sees that. And then if you can get good at communicating it and you can be heard with your messaging and the unique technical things you're thinking about, and this is why becoming an expert is so key, I will tell you, you will endlessly get busy. And please go watch back. I did a training on how I saved up $60,000 in nine months to open this gym. And frankly, that's the, the, uh, the, the big message is I was practicing being seen and being heard over and over again in lots of different environments. And that's something you can do really, really, really well. But I will tell you, the gym that I worked at before, Persicini Fitness, and then I also did some teaching at LA Fitness when they still allowed that kind of stuff. Both places had this horseshoe ring of cardio machines around the gym floor, which meant that everyone who was on a cardio machine doing that boring, repetitive thing had only a couple things to do. Watch their heart rate monitor, watch something on their phone or iPad, which 10 years ago weren't even around, really, and watch what was going on on the floor. And guess what? The guy in the blue jacket or the guy with the yellow check mark or the trainer logo is a really interesting person to look at because they're supposed to be an expert. And guess what people think about trainers? They don't think that you're an expert. They're waiting for you to make a mistake. Look at that guy over there grabbing that ball. What's he going to do to that poor person? Which means that you have an opportunity to separate yourself. So this is where whatever environment you are in, coming back to Glenn's clothing thing, coming back to how you present yourself, your job is to be seen consistently. I think the thing I'm going to end on here is uh, kind of rounding back to what we were discussing earlier, um, failing forward. And it's not really even just like a personal training thing. It's a life thing is look forward to failure, especially if you're getting started in industry um, and learn from it. And the more you can fail forward, the more you can try new things. That's where confidence comes from, really. Um, Brad and I have the conviction that we do today and what it is that we do because we've been doing this for 10 to 13 years and we actively look for every opportunity to grow and get better and to fail forward. And if you can foster a mindset, a mind flow of growth and that you look forward to failure and trying new things, um, obviously appropriately, you don't want to just have like an 11-year-old back squats, terrible idea. Um, in most cases, unless you're an Olympic gym coach, which is a whole other story. Calculated failures. Calculated failures. Thank you. This guy right here. Put it on the double screen. Put it on the double. Calculated, Calculated failures. Um, that's how you have more conviction. That's how you grow. And the more you can dive into all the different pillars of personal training, the more you can put yourself out there, the faster in life you're going to get to where you want to go. Because at the end of the day, if you want to retire by 65, Every day that you have between now and then is a day that you have to use. And if you want to wait a day or you want to wait two days, you put it off for another week, that's another week that you're going to retire until you get to the age of 80 and you got to work still because you didn't do what you needed to do now. So please get an action. Uh, nothing happens without actions. Actions lead to results. Fail forward. And uh, unless you have anything else, Brandon. 
Yeah, I want to add something to that, yeah, and then sure. I have one more tiny thing. Okay. So leading off of that, there's a great video I just watched of Jordan Peterson talking about being stuck in the past mm-hmm. and getting out of being stuck in the past. And so, you know, this fail forward thing is a soundbite that Glenn and I have said, and thank you, Brad Thorpe, who learned from someone else that shared it with us. Uh, love it. Uh, it's one I love that idea, but I recognize saying it is so much easier than doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because, like, what do you mean by failing? And what I would encourage you to do, and I used to tell this to some of the guys here when they first started, when we first opened, and you kind of went on your own journey with this and did it. And I, I used to, at the beginning of opening this gym, try to do something a little bit each day that scared me. Small things. Like, and I can think of easy examples of like talking to a client who showed up late a few times in a row. And I didn't like that they showed up late because it took away from our session time. And having that conversation about talking about them showing up late made me feel uncomfortable. That uncomfortable feeling slowed down my ability. It's like putting a marble in the middle of the floor while you're walking across and like, even though you don't know where the marble is, you know that you're walking differently because you might accidentally step on the marble and fall versus a flat floor, which you have full conviction that you're never gonna fall. So that little thing in the room, that little marble on the floor just changed how I act around that client just a little bit. And so that may be uncomfortable. And so even though that wasn't a gigantic thing, it wasn't gonna change my life. I practiced every day going, hey, this makes me uncomfortable. I'm gonna talk about this with this client and see what happens. I could have done this better. I could have done this better. And these turn into micro conflicts that help to, from a classical conditioning end, teach me that the things that scare me aren't going to scare me. And then over 10 years, snowballed into this thing where I'm really not scared of talking to people. I'm really not scared of conflict. Uh, There's only a few instances where I really don't like talking to people about conflict, even though I don't like conflict. And that only comes not because I have a high level of confidence, because I figured all the things that made me not feel confident, and I kind of slowly stepped through them. So every day you're with a client, or you're with a person, or you're with a family member, or a spouse, or someone, and someone says something, and you don't like how it makes you feel, or you're nervous about saying something, sit with yourself for a second and ask yourself, well, how could I approach this and get this past this? Because that feeling you get right here of not liking to talk about it or not feeling good shouldn't stop you. And certainly don't ignore it. And don't ignore don't it. Don't ignore it. The last thing I'll throw out there is always a weird question I get when I talk to people, uh, new trainers, and they ask me, well, should I get in shape? And I think it's a weird conversation. Um, I will throw this out there, is I think that if you are going to go down this journey of being a fitness professional, I think you should do everything you, could, you can to represent your product and be as healthy as possible. I don't think you should become anorexic and get lean and have six-pack abs and try to become a bodybuilder, but I will say that if you're doing fitness health things and you're helping people change their lives, you should be as healthy as you can because a healthy person, people can tell if you're healthy or not. And if you're a healthy individual and that lines up with your health professional product, it makes it so much easier to have conversations with people because you are also a representative of the thing that you're trying to sell. Well, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, you are your brand. And whether you recognize that or not, you are your brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a walking, talking brand all the time. So um, you, whether you choose to recognize it or not, that's the reality of the world. So should you be in shape? You should be, a, I'll just, you should be a healthy person. Take care of yourself. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. This is where we like to end the show if you're listening to this today for the first time in a while. So, Glenn, what is your pick of the week? Um, This week, I'm going on something that I learned for myself. And it's one of those, you know, sometimes you learn a lesson, but then you learn it again, right? Um, My pick of the week is dedicated workspaces. Um, Brandon has an amazing office up here that we use that he uses for everything FPM and everything Strata. Um, I have a home office at home, and I made the mistake two weeks ago of installing a video game on my computer. And what I noticed was, even though I said I'm just gonna play it once, I think I've got a good handle on this, what did I end up doing? I caught myself on the weekend when I was energized in the morning, 
playing a video game. And I'm not wrong for playing a video game. I work hard. I get up, I get up most mornings, Monday to Friday at 4 a.m. I'm going to work on my own business stuff to start taking the care of the dog at 6. I'm not that I'm not a hard worker. However, I recognize that what I did was I tainted my workspace with a little bit of poison. I had this crystal clear water, the purest water of all time that I could drink workspace, and I put a little bit of poison in there. And if you ever watched any sort of movie, you know, Disney aside, just takes a little drop of poison to poison the well, right? So I got rid of it. And what I realized was, you know what? Having this work computer as my dedicated workspace means that every time I go there, my brain on a subconscious level shifts into this is where I do my work thing, which is great. And so now I'm sharing with you that if you really want to turn something up to a 10, find how you can create systems within your spaces to make things work for you. If you've got a home office, don't mix that with pleasure. Make that all about work. Find another place to play your video game so that every time you go in there, your brain shifts into work mode. If you don't have that area that you can go to, find a Starbucks where you know when you go sit at that Starbucks or that coffee shop, that's where you're going to be doing your work. Don't muddy the spaces. And we'll see this with clients all the time. I'll say this and I'll, I'll digress, which is they know when they come here, it's easy to start exercising because their brain goes into, I'm here, I'm here to see Brandon, I'm here to see Glenn, it's time to take care of my body. Yeah. If we started having like a cappuccino bar and people would sit and have coffee, mm -hmm. I guarantee you productivity in a lot of these sessions would drop down. Have and create dedicated spaces for yourself that you use for certain things because it's really going to help you stay in a flow space, especially if you're someone like me who's easily distracted. Love it. Honestly, I just took my, my drum room. I'm just setting up a better little office space down there so I can actually do mentorship stuff there if I ever need to, and I'm excited about it. Awesome. Really nice, making it. That's got some pleasure stuff in there, but it doesn't distract me in a bad way. Well, and it depends on who you are, right? For me, I need that. So, yeah. Brandon, what is yeah. your pick of the week? My pick of the week is my last tech pick piece for the while. And if many of you know, I'm a gigantic fan of the Rodecaster Pro. But what I've got here is I've got the Rodecaster Pro 2. And you can kind of see it on the screen here. I'll try to lift it up without messing anything up. You can see it on the screen there. Oh, anyway, all I'll throw this out there is, I mean, if you're doing podcasting or anything like that, uh, even musicians, uh, this piece of technology is, has got so many features in it that it will really work for almost anything. And Glenn won't hear this, but if you hear me do this, this thing has technology that helps me have a deep voice. Or a really high voice. Which really isn't prudent to anything that we're doing for this podcast. But it's just to showcase like some very simple power that you can put into a machine and can really, really like change your experience in this whole thing. So you can hear the beeping there, which is kind of fun. What the Anyway, so this Roadcaster Pro, if you're someone who's interested in podcasting, you'll hear it on this thing. Okay. If you're interested in podcasting or doing anything like that, I would definitely recommend this as a piece of tech. Even the Roadcaster Pro 1, you can get for cheaper, and it's incredible. It's what we used for the first year of this business. So, yeah, Roadcaster Pro 2. But everyone, listen, Fitness Pro Mentor Podcast. Really excited that you guys all checked this out. Uh, if you have any questions and you are a new trainer and you found this helpful, please send me a message, and I will happily send you some other guide resources in the Facebook group or on YouTube or even other podcasts that can help you along the way. I would genuinely love to see um, how I can help. But Glenn, that was a great show. Yeah, everyone, thank you so much for coming out today. We're helping you two and three times your personal training business. Drop any questions or comments you ever have in our group. We'd be happy to answer them and see if we can help you out. Uh, yeah, awesome stuff today, Brandon. Bye, everybody. Have a great one. Ciao.